Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Okay, so uh, today we are continuing our series of messages And I want to encourage you, if you don't have your Bibles, run off and get it. Uh, We're continuing this series of messages entitled Real Faith for Rough Times. And we are in the book of James, that uh, over toward the end of the New Testament, real faith for rough times. Uh, And we're going to be looking at James chapter 2 in a pretty lengthy passage, uh, James 14 through 26. And so that's the reason I want you to get your Bible. Uh, We're not going to flash the uh, words on the screen. Uh, we want you to be looking at the, the Bible this morning, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can pull up the app on your phone, and uh, let's, uh, we'll read along together on that in just a little bit. Real faith for rough times, but today we're going we're gonna to kind of highlight the, the first two words in this series, real faith. Uh, you know, a bunch of years back, uh, some of you know this, Marvin Gaye got it right. Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Y'all, how many of y'all know that? Huh? Let me see Zoom. Let me see Zoom. Yeah. Okay, here, here's the way it goes. And it, it's, it's, now you got to listen close because you'll miss it. Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. No, no. Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. All right, but and then listen to this first verse. I got your picture hanging on the wall, but it can't, I can't see, but it can't see or come to me when I call your name. I, I realize it's just a picture in a frame. Oh, I, I read your letters when you're not here, but they don't move me and they don't groove me like when I hear your sweet voice whispering in my, my ear. Don't you know? Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Now, do y'all agree with that? You know, yeah, ain't nothing like the real thing. And uh, so, huh? What? I can't do that. I didn't even print that one off. Did y'all, y'all read? Uh, watch out now. So, anyway, we want the real thing. You know, you know, um, we we want that which is genuine and not fake. Because not to have the real thing can be very disappointing, uh, if not tragic. Uh, I'm, and I can give you another example that 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 you want the real thing. Uh, my wife, you know, she's a super taster. I told you that uh, when it comes to food, she's a super taster, and. So I, I, I can just remember this experience when we went to an upscale restaurant here in our fine city. And uh, one of the things they had on their menu was uh, garlic mashed potatoes. And she asked the server, was, are they real? And she said, yes, ma'am. And uh, she said, well, then I want, I, I want the, the garlic mashed potatoes. But only whenever they came, immediately, immediately, she knew they weren't real. And, uh, and she, she said something to the servant. She says, well, these are not real. She, and uh, she, and uh, she said, well, I can go ask uh, the cook. You know, I mean, I can go ask the chef. And so she did and came in. She said, yes, ma'am, they're real. It had it right there on the box. 
So uh, the, here's the deal. Uh, when it comes to uh, the, the, the most precious things in life, we want the real thing, but specifically when it comes to faith. See, this young lady that was serving my wife, she thought she was serving real garlic mashed potatoes that came from peeling the taters. She thought, she thought that that's what they had because someone had told her that. And, and what I really am pray, had prayed for today is that, that God would, through His Holy Spirit, reveal to us very clearly, do we have the real thing or not when it comes to our faith? Real faith for real times. Because see, not to have it can be uh, devastating. Uh, and if it's possible, the reality is, just like mashed potatoes, uh, just like other stuff in life, you can think you've got the real thing and you don't. And, and if you don't, that is not only tragic, but it's eternal. And so um, the only way that we can know if we have the real thing is to examine it. The Apostle Paul uh, says this, and that's exactly what he says. And, and matter of fact, these were some of his final words to the, to the Corinthian believers. And so you know those final words are important. But here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 in the NIV. It says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So right there he's saying, we need to examine ourselves. And we ask the Holy Spirit to help us examine ourselves. I love the way that the message puts that's 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5. It says, test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not merely hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. And that's what I'm, I'm encouraging us to do. To, to this morning ask the Holy Spirit to examine us, to help us test ourselves to see if our faith is real or not. And, and, and if we fail the test, then it says, do something about it. We have an opportunity to do something about it this morning uh, as we come to this particular passage. And now, you know, one of our, one of our good friends, uh, many of you know him, you know, is, uh, you know, a big jeweler and all that kind of stuff. And he's, you know, going to the school of jewelry and all that. I don't know what all that is, but uh, he was telling me one time how, you know, when it comes to diamonds, there's the Gematology Institute of America. Gemological, Gem, Gemological Institute of America that, that, you know, this is kind of like the standard that, that helped you test, you know, when it comes to diamonds and, and stuff of that nature. And uh, I was talking about the, you know, the, the four different uh, categories, but, you know, the GIA, the Gemological Institute of America. Well, we're not going to the Gemological Institute of America because I can't say it, but we're going to the GIA, God's Inspired Word. And if we go to God's inspired word, it will reveal to us about our faith. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this passage together, James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. So hang in there 
and, and, and read and ask God to help his living word to speak to you. So here's Pastor James continuing to talk about real faith in rough times. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies? and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit and through your living word, capture our attention today? Would you allow your word to speak truth to us? Would you speak to us through your word? Or would you reveal the condition of our heart and our lives? Uh, would you show us the truth about our faith? Do we have a saving faith? Do we have a faith that is uh, that only comes from you? Or do we have a faith that mirrors much of the world? Uh, Lord, have we been told that our faith is okay when it's really not the real thing? Father God, today, may you do a work in your bride, the church, and in each of our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In uh, Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, I beg you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beg you, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and, and like Paul today, I am beseeching and begging each of us no matter how many times you've gone to church no matter how many times you've heard sermons on faith i beg you to allow the holy spirit to examine you today to check your faith uh, because not to have the real thing as i said is tragic and it's also eternal now, in this particular passage, James is talking about that there are different kinds of faith. And the reality is everybody has faith in something. Uh, but there are the, those who have faith, you know, who ha have a proclamation of a faith in God and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But as James says here, uh, he gives it some categories. He says there's such a thing as a dead faith. 
uh, a faith that's, you know, that says Jesus, that quotes scripture, that goes to church, that prays, that does all this kind of stuff, that may even, you know, quote the uh, Apostles' Creed, uh, uh, know about God, know about all this stuff, but it's a dead faith. Wow. And then he says there's another kind of faith that he says is a demonic faith. It's kind of a, 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 a trembling faith. Now, this is a type of faith that's really deeper when it comes to understanding uh, all the characteristics about God, knows everything about God. Uh, Jonathan Edwards said that uh, the, the demons have gone to the, the, the finest seminaries and ex- finest seminary in existence, and that was heaven. They were in heaven. They know all about God's holiness. No, know every detail about God. And yet they shudder with fear. It's a demonic faith. But then he's talking here about a real faith, a, a living faith, a, a saving faith. And so in order for us to, to really come to this particular passage today, really, I, I'm asking that God would use this to help us to do what we've said, to examine ourselves, to allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, to see where we are in the faith. And talking to my, to my jewelry friend, he said that when it comes to, to diamonds, you know, there's four classes, you know, you know the, the ways that you grade it. Uh, and, I, and I forget what they are. I think um, uh, there's color and there's carrot and there's something and there's something. There's four C's. Well, I'm going to give us four C's when it comes to, to being able to examine our faith uh, as far as a true, real saving faith. Is that good? So let's look at this together. Number one. The first characteristic of a saving faith, a real faith, a genuine faith, living faith, is compassion. Compassion. And that's what James is talking about right here in uh, verses 15 and 16. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Now, what we see in the book of James and what we see throughout the Bible is constantly this direction of our lives, an expression of our faith and caring for the needy, caring for the poor, caring for the under-resourced. Now, this has become, you know, uh, especially in America, everything becomes political and you look at it in different ways, but we're looking at it through God's perspective and God's eyes. And he's saying a demonstration, an evidence of a saving faith is that of compassion. You know, uh, of not just, uh, not just being, you know, uh, uh, inspired in our minds and moved in our heart, but something that is very practical. By that, I mean involvement that is practical and personal. So here's a question that we can ask ourselves uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, as hearers of this message today. Uh, Here's a good question for this. Am I personally and practically involved in helping the helpless and helping the poor? And and so whatever stereotypes that we have on this, we need to just blow those up and let God's word speak to us. Because he's saying this, this is a demonstration of a real faith, of a genuine faith. Um, and, and, And not a dead faith. And, and this is one of the reasons, and this is one of the reasons that we're always about, you know, reaching out, you know, as a body, because this, this is who Jesus, you know, where did Jesus spend 
most of his time. Uh, and so we have now this new partnership uh, with Homestretch um, and an opportunity for us not just to kind of throw, you know, throw stuff at them, but to do life together. And there's a very concerted effort uh, on our part as leadership and staff to be able to spend time with their leadership to get to know them better. And it's going to open up many opportunities for us to do life together. And so listen up as you hear about these opportunities. It's why we have a partnership with uh, Camp Grace and, and serving the underserved of, of, of all of Georgia. Uh, and it's expanding there. Uh, and these are critical times for Camp Grace uh, as uh, they, they reach the uh, Georgia, people in Georgia, one life at a time, you know, through these camps. So it's also one of the reasons that we talk about, you know, just helping one another out. Some of the stuff that we have in the, in the, uh, in the Christmas, uh, on the Christmas agenda, it's all about serving. It's all about helping. And uh, so this, you know, this, this isn't what saves us, but it is an evidence of a true salvation, of a true faith, is that of compassion. Real faith uh, not only brings life, but it produces a life of good works. And we're going to talk about uh, that in just a minute. So compassion, compassion. Uh, now the second one, uh, connection, connection. It doesn't have to make a lot of sense to you, but they're all C's anyway. All right, so what I mean by that, connection between my words and my works. Is there a connection between my words and my works. And this is what he says in verse uh, 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say to you, uh, will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So there's a connection between what we say and what we do. Um, and you see, here's, a, here, here's the deal. People with dead faith mistake words for work. You know, people with dead faith can have the correct vocabulary, uh, can, you know, say the most eloquent prayers, but there's not this connection between their words and their work. Uh, and again, we're not working our way into real faith. We're not working our way into salvation. It is a byproduct of our relationship, transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here he's just talking about this connection between our words and our work. One person put it this way, a wordy but workless faith is worthless. Um, and even though... Um, Faith is an inward, personal, inward reality. Uh, it is evidenced uh, by the things that we do. So uh, there's this connection. So a question is, you know, what do my works of loving obedience say about my faith? What do my, my, my time, my schedule, my checkbook, what does that say 
about my faith. Now, again, you, you go, oh, man, oh, I don't know. I'm not doing that so good, so I'm going to write a big check today, and maybe that I'll be okay. No, 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 no. We've got it upside down. It's backwards. You cannot invert it. Cannot be done. Uh, but an evidence of a true encounter with God, that's real faith, is there's just going to be this growing connection by what I say, what I learn, what I absorb. And, and my whole worldview and what I do and how I act and who I serve and all of that stuff. There's going to be a strong connection. All right, number three, conviction. Conviction. As we, Lord, are examining our faith, help us to see through your eyes the truth about our compassion, the truth about the connection between my words and my works, but also now conviction, just a, a confirmation of my beliefs by my behavior. Now, we've said here for years and years and years, and you've heard this, you know, God is not about behavior modification. That's not what his focus is, modifying your behavior, get you to, you know, clean up and, you know, act straight and, you know, don't uh, drink, cuss, uh, smoke or chew or hang around with foes. Do. I mean, that's not his focus. It's to change your behavior. His focus is right here with the heart. And so, but it's here that we also see that there's going to be a correlation with what we truly believe and how we live our lives. So, you know, it's here in uh, this verse 19 that, that we see this uh, confirmation. It says, um, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So here he's, he's, he's describing, I think, a demonic faith, a demonic faith. And as I've already said, you know, the demons, they, they know everything about God. And yet they shudder, they tremble. A person with a dead faith is usually afraid of God. A little bit afraid. And, and, and therefore try to ramp up some of the works or maybe stroke another check or do some stuff, you know, to try to get in, in favor with God. But there's this sense of fear. Because that's what the, the, the demons shudder, even though they know the glory of God, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, you know, that Jesus, the one and only Son of God came, you know, and, and yet they shudder. Why? Because of their fear of of, of the punishment that they will experience because of their rejection of God. Um, we can be informed in our minds and stirred in our hearts, but completely outside uh, of true faith. Um, one of my good preacher buddies, he said, you know, you know, like the demons, you can know, you can go to church every Sunday, you can read your devotion every morning, you can do all this, and you can pray the prayer for all kind of folks and do all this kind of stuff. But he says, you know, like this, the only thing that qualifies you for is to be a demon. That's not saving faith. God, through your Holy Spirit, revealed to us as far as the condition of our lives and, and our faith. Um, here's a question that we can ask on this. Has my head knowledge impacted my heart? Has, has it impacted my heart? Someone has said, 
many, many people will miss heaven by 18 inches. You know, that's the distance between our head and our heart. Has it impacted my heart? Has it changed my life? Matter of fact, that brings us to the fourth characteristic of examining our faith, and that's just plain out change. Change. This is transformation of my actions and my attitude. Is there a transformation of my actions and my attitude? Now, and I will tell you this, as we're looking at this, there have been times, listen, and this is a battle because, see, Satan is a liar. And he is going to accuse you. And he's going to try to get you to doubt and all this kind of stuff. But there, God in his power is able to reveal truth to us. But there have been times in my life, you know, there were times in my even at, you know, even, even as a pastor, that I, I sat back and I was just actually grieved going, am I truly, truly, Saved? Am I true? You know, I mean, I've been a pretty dog, but am I truly? And it took the power and the revelation of God and sitting before Him for Him to to bring clear, absolute clarity to that, and to give victory over Satan's accusations and stuff. So, no doubt, the Holy Spirit is working right now, but no doubt that Satan is also working right now as the accuser of the brethren. But God will win out as you just entrust your heart and your life to Him. But the question is, is there change? Now, we're not talking about, you know, an immediate uh, Apostle Paul kind of... It doesn't have to be that way, but there will be a process, a lifestyle uh, of ongoing change. But the biggest change is this, not just the behavior. It's that loving obedience, eager obedience to God, just to to serve Him. I want to please you. You know, it's living for the audience of one. Wait, instead of living for myself, my self-directed, I want to do it because this is what I want to do and self-serving and self-justifying and all that kind of stuff. No, no. It's now, God, my life is in your hands. That's where I want it to be. What do you want to do? I offer it to you. It's change. Faith produces a radical change in our lives, in our priorities, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our trust. So here's the question. Have I been changed? Am I changed? One person put it like this. You can't come into contact with a saving faith and remain the same any more than you can come into contact with the business end of a 220 wire and remain the same. Any more than you can come into contact with a high-voltage electric wire and remain the same. True faith, saving faith, brings change. But it starts, it starts with the revelation of God's love for you and your need for Him. And then it begins this love relationship with the Father. And you're not living in fear of the Father. You're not living in doubt. You're not skittish. You're not shuddering. You're not scheming. Why? Because you're trying to do... Oh, no, no. It's because you're, you're, your life's open. You're, every now and then... And we're not talking about a flawless faith. We're not talking about a flawless faith. We're talking about the difference between a, a faulty 
false faith and a true faith. Now, and, and you know, none of us are at the point of where we have a flawless faith. But we're talking about a genuine, real, saving faith. Is there change in my life? Father, help us to see. Now, we see him talking about that in this particular passage, uh, beginning with verse, um, excuse me, beginning with verse 20. He says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that a faith without deeds is useless? A faith without deeds is dead? A faith without uh, deeds is demonic? And then he gives us two examples. He gives us an example of Abraham and he gives us an example of Rahab. And now Rahab, these are two very different people. <laughs> Abraham's a Jewish man, you know, who came to follow after God. You know, uh, and uh, the story that he's talking about in those verses are found in Genesis chapter 22. But uh, 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 Abraham, you know, had faith in God. It shows that in Genesis 15. Now, Rahab's she's a different character. Uh, she uh, she is over there uh, in Jericho and uh, she is, a, you know, she's not a part of the believing community and she's a prostitute. Uh, but we all know the story of, you know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Okay, now we're not going to sing that, but we know that. We sang that. And, you know, and the walls came tumbling down. This is, a, this is about that whole encounter when they sent in the spies to check it out. And, and the spies, you know, were telling about the one true God. Now, Rahab believed that. So she came to a saving faith. And, and guess what? There was a change in her life. She took some risky, she she took some risky steps there in hiding and then showing a way of escape for the spies. There was a change in her life. It was a change in, in, in action. It was a change in deeds and behaviors. Now, just as there was in Abraham's life. And in Abraham's life, we see that it talks about whenever he took his son Isaac and he offered it up on the altar. Now, which was a radical thing because God had never instructed people to, to, to have child uh, sacrifice. Matter of fact, he forbid it. And yet, here's God asking Abraham to do this thing. But it's out of his love relationship. Not out of his fear, but it's out of his love relationship with God the Father that he walked his son up the mountain and then lifted his hand. And then God stopped him and provided the sacrifice. Now, some of us, now when it comes to James and some of the things in Paul, we get a little bit mixed up or stirred up because we just think there's, there's, there's a little conflict between what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, uh, where Paul is very clear that we are justified. Listen to what Paul says. For we remain, uh, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. He says we are justified by faith alone. Now over here in verse 24, here he goes, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So, What's the deal? And, 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 you know, there seems to be some confusion here. 
And yet, if we look a little bit deeper, if we take our time and, and don't hydroplane over it, we will see that now James and Paul knew each other. They were contemporaries. Matter of fact, they were both a part of the Jerusalem Council where they were trying to, you know, clarify the gospel message and agree on uh, the gospel message. And, and, um, and they did, and they were of one accord. And yet what, what James and Paul were doing, they're, they're using this word justified a little bit differently. James, uh, Paul is saying in, in Romans this, he says that we are justified with God by faith alone. There's nothing else we can do to be just. That means we are made right by faith. We are made not by works, not by throwing another check in the offering plate, not by trying to do good, not by trying to help the needy. You know, the people, anyway, we are made right with God by faith alone. Now, yet that faith, as John Calvin says, it is faith alone that saves, but faith that saves is never alone. That means there's always, there's always an expression of that. What James is, this word in, in, in verse 24, what James is saying right here, he's using the word to mean to prove something right. Not to make it right, but to prove something right. For example, uh, if you were to say, well, you know, uh, Auburn Tigers are the best football team in America. I would have to say, you, can, you, can you justify that statement? <laughs> can you, ju you know, can you justify, justify? That means may, uh, prove that statement. Pr prove that statement. You're not making that statement right. <laughs> I'm saying justify it. J justify it. J uh, Paul, when he says justified, you know, it's just like this. You owe somebody some money and you pay them uh, back the money, well, then you're justified. You're made right in your finances with them. Cleared the book. We're justified with God by faith. Now, James is saying you, are, you prove your faith. You demonstrate your faith through what you do, through our actions. And so it's here that we come to see this change in our life. He talks, James talks about these good deeds, these works the, uh, throughout there. And, and, and if you want to really a, a quick summary of what he means by that is, is really this, two things. Number one is mercy and compassion for the needy. And number two, loving obedience to the Father. It's just loving obedience to in this passage, it, it, it says that this is where his faith came together. Abraham was whenever he was willing to lovingly obey his father and do that which was costly to him, that it says that they were made complete. And yet God came in and he said, you don't have to do that. You don't have to... You're my friend. We're good. He tested his faith. 
but, but where real faith comes in is whenever we realize that uh, there was a time later than that that God the Father walked up the mountain with His Son and He didn't hold back. And He did sacrifice Him. And the reality of that changes us in real faith. I mean, we're not ever the same. We may not walk around giddy all the time, but we, our lives um, are changed because we come into the reality of the, the love. No greater love is there than this. And we come to that living, real, saving faith. So here's a question, and it, and it, re it really comes to this, and, and to help us examine. Do you desire and love being with Jesus? I'm not saying do you love doing all the, 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 the Christian things. I mean, do, do, do you love him? Do you desire to, to be with him and to meet with him and to encounter him? And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells, are, are, are you just trying to check a box? And it may, be, it may be that today that you're going, wow, I've been going to church all my life. I even read the Bible. I try to do my devotion. I try to be nice to folks. But when it comes to this compassion, this mercy and compassion, and a very practical and personal investment, costly investment in helping the needy and the poor, and to a loving, eager obedience to the Father, I'm not sure if... I've got the real thing. And that scares me. Well, good. As Paul says, if you fail the test, do something about it. And right now, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door saying, you know what? You've been eating boxed mashed taters all your life. It's time for the real thing. And the way you get the real thing is first by believing that Jesus truly is the Son of God and that He came because you are desperately flawed and condemned without His saving work. You believe Jesus has accomplished that for you and now you... You change your mind. The Bible's word is repent and say, I, I turn from my self-serving, self-directed, self-justifying ways. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I need you. I, I want a saving faith. And Jesus, you and you alone can do that. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you so much for your amazing love. We thank you for the opportunity that we have today just to come and to sit at your feet, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You, you know each of our hearts.
There's some of us don't even know our own heart, but you're, through your Holy Spirit, you've made us aware that well, we've been playing a game. We've been trying to get by, and it's, 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 our, it's our survival tactic. And yet today you've made us aware that we don't have a saving faith, a real faith. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you to, to, to pray something like this along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me and for coming into this world and dying for me and for paying for my sin, paying for every one of them on the cross. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to save me. I believe that the purpose of my life is to know God and be made right with Him. And Jesus, you're the only one. Today, I turn from trying to be religious, trying to get by. I turn away from, I just, I just, I, just, I, I change. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to try to manage this anymore, and I'm just going to surrender to you. And I ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Change me, Jesus, for your glory and my good from the inside out. If that was your prayer today, I just want, I want you to share that with me. Because we need, we desperately need community. We're not left here to do life alone. Share that so we, I can encourage you. I can pray for you. Let me know. You can email me. You can text me. You can go to that link. It may be that you're here today and, and you're going, wow, man, I've been, I just, I've been, I, I've just been cruising. I've been coasting. And my heart's kind of got hard, but Jesus, You've just awakened in me the fact that I, I, I've tried to take over and I want to renew my walk with you today. Lord, I know, I know that you've saved me. I know that. But I, I, I've been letting the world shape me into its mold and, and, and today I just want to renew my walk with you. And it may be that if that's, if that's your heart's desire, that you just need some ongoing encouragement. You've been trying to kind of do life on your own, and, you know, bits and pieces you let people in on, but no, no, no. You need a band of brothers and sisters to walk along with you. Let me know. Let me know of this new commitment, this, this recommitment today so we, I, we can pray together and seek to God's guidance and wisdom together as far as the steps he would have you take. Maybe there's an opportunity uh, that God has put on your heart, that of compassion. Just go ahead and commit to, to, to being a part of these uh, opportunities of compassion and mercy this Christmas season. Jump on in with both feet. If you don't know what to do, let me know. Let's talk about it. But Father, I pray... <coughs> that we would have real faith. And that real faith not only would change us, but change the world. All for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.